Hey everyone, Candace Eisner here. This week I wanted to talk to you about 10 things I wish I had known before I started my own practice. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Hey, happy Monday, or whatever day of the week it is, wherever you are. That seems to be my constant uh, intro there. First off, before I launch into this topic, it is the Monday after the Toronto Scotiabank Waterfront Marathon. No, the the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon? I don't know. I always think of it as both ways. Doesn't really matter. I ran the half yesterday. It was a really great experience. Maybe some of you listening since, you know, those of us who work in health and fitness and wellness, especially massage therapists, well, maybe not especially, but anyway, including massage therapists tend to do those sorts of things. So if you ran yesterday, congratulations. I hope you were, you know, feeling good out there. Um, it was a bit of a hot day, definitely for October. So uh, that definitely, you know, kind of made it rough on a lot of us, but uh, we got through and uh, yeah, you know, right now I'm sitting here recording my this podcast. My butt is sore. <laughs> I'm actually, I actually have a massage booked with my own massage therapist for tomorrow. So I'm hoping that that will help me out a little bit. So anyway, just shout out to anyone who ran yesterday, or if you had a different race or a different uh, sporting event that you were participating in, I hope it went well and uh, you're feeling good today. And uh, if you did run yesterday and you're having trouble with the stairs, because that's common, especially if it was your first time and you weren't sure what to expect. Walking down backwards can be helpful or sideways, uh, just a little, or grip that, uh, uh, what do you call the side rail, like for dear life. Those are, those are my little tips for uh, post half or full if you, if you did one of those distances or an ultra. Anyway, let's go on and talk about this week's topic. So uh, yeah, I was sitting down and I was going, you know, what am I going to do for this week? Am I going to miss this week's podcast episode? Because I hadn't really, pre- hadn't really prepared anything in advance. Usually I do. This time, coming into race weekend, I just had a lot on my plate, so I didn't really think about it. And then I thought, what if I talk about some things that I wish I had known when before I started my own business, my own practice um, as a massage therapist, but really this can apply to pretty much any health, wellness, and fitness business. So uh, yeah, hopefully this will help you guys out. So let's talk about some of those things. Um, by the way, this applies more to solo practices than it does to say like if you're trying to run a big clinic um but even then if you're running a big clinic some of these things uh, may apply to you so so yeah the first thing number one on my 10 things is that people are unpredictable now of course we know this you know we know this in life right um you probably started learning it as a kid like your friend said they would do one thing and then they ended up deciding to do something different or whatever. Like, But people are unpredictable. And how this translates into your business is something that is really hard to learn how to deal with. And that's this kind of stuff. They might miss appointments. They might cancel them completely out of nowhere. They might change their appointment times frequently on you or not rebook when they said they would. Or this one's the worst of it. Forget to pay you. Ugh. 
That one was always hard for me. And so on and so on and so on. You know, and all this affects your bottom line. So you get paid less, right? If people miss appointments or canceling completely, all that stuff. It does affect your bottom line. Now, of course, I know it's not just about the money. But let's be real. Good intentions do not pay your bills. So even if you're like, oh, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm here to help people. That's why I got into a helping profession. That doesn't matter. All these people are not helping you pay your bills and are making it a lot harder for you to make ends meet. So, you know, it's really not okay that people do that kind of stuff. Uh, frequently, that is. If they, if they do it constantly, it's really not okay. Some people are really respectful and they try really hard not to do these things, but others just are in their own little world and, and they don't understand how it's a problem. So that's something you're going to have to deal with if you haven't already dealt with it in your practice. Like if you're very new to opening your own practice or you're very new to the profession, that's something you're going to have to kind of learn how to deal with on a case-by-case -case basis. But on this topic of, you know, unpredictability with people, um, number two on my list of 10 things is you need to be just flexible enough. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. The truth is, like I was just talking about a second ago, people will always want to reschedule or ask for a last minute appointment or change the length of their appointment and all that kind of stuff. It comes with the territory of working with any sort of service business. Now, you might not like to think of yourself as a service provider in a service business, but the truth is you are. And I'm sorry if that feels weird to you. You're like, well, I'm in healthcare doesn't matter. You're in healthcare, but you're also in a service industry. So it's a hell, it's a hard balance. You know, you want to be flexible enough so that your clients can get in to see you with a reasonable amount of time, but not so flexible that you're constantly working outside your advertised hours. You're always canceling plans you had with other people so that you can see just one more client and all that kind of stuff, right? Doing it once in a while so your steady clients can get in to, to see you and you genuinely don't mind or say, you know, you get a, you were planning on going um, to a yoga class after work, but uh, one person called you last minute and really wanted to get in and you feel, okay, you know, I don't mind this, you know, once in a while. I don't do this very often. I don't mind missing my yoga class tonight in order to see this person. It sounds like they really could use the massage or whatever kind of treatment it is you're doing. That's fine. If you're doing it once in a while. But if you're doing it constantly, I am going to tell you, if you haven't hit that wall yet where you're feeling like underappreciated and stressed and taken advantage of, you will eventually hit that wall. It will happen. And that is not a good way to feel. I'm sorry. It really isn't. And if you're, if you're in that space, I'm really sorry to hear that because it is really hard to be in that kind of mindset, right? So... Basically, my advice there is just be, be somewhat flexible, but don't let people walk all over you. Don't let people kind of determine your schedule for you. And if somebody is constantly rebooking, constantly asking for a last minute appointment, constantly not respecting your time, they are not the right client for you. And that brings us to number three on my list of 10 things, which is not every client is a good match. And I mean, here's the thing. When I was a new therapist back in 2006, seven, sort of that era of my life, I used to get so stressed out when people didn't, you know, 
click with me and they didn't want to rebook or whatever. Or when I had regular clients who came in asking for treatments I didn't really like doing and I wasn't great at. And then I get nervous about that because I didn't want to lose them as clients. I'm like, oh, you know. But here's the thing. It's okay to refer out to other therapists or other practitioners of other kinds, you know. Um, It's okay to say that you don't do a specific type of treatment. It really is. And it doesn't matter what you were trained to do in school. Like, if somebody's like, well, I need a TMJ treatment and you were trained to do it in school, so why can't you see me? But it's like, well, yeah, but if you haven't done it in years, especially the intraoral stuff, like... Why the heck would you want to see some, like, why the heck would you let that person book with you? You know what I mean? Like, just, that, that's not good for either of you. That's actually a bad idea, kind of, in, in my mind. If, it, if it's something that specialized, you should probably refer out, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to be better for everyone in the end, including the client, because they're going to get treatment from someone who is good at treating the thing that they need treated. However, this said, because because it's really easy to swing too far one way. So here's number four on my list of 10. Don't forget to keep learning. So for all professions, not just massage therapists, but all the medical and health and wellness professions, I know continuing education is something that you talk about. And it's something that is focused on, I know, um, like if you're a CanFit Pro certified, you're expected to get certain number of uh, continuing education credits. I don't know what they call them in that in that realm of the world, but if you're a um, if you're a massage therapist, of course you're required to get CEUs at least here in Canada. If you're in one of the um, one of the fully regulated provinces, that kind of stuff. So I know continuing education is something that's on your radar and you guys think about, but. That's not what I mean, the formal continuing education system. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is this. If a client comes to you with a condition and you aren't super familiar with it, but you feel that you could treat it safely with some research, that's okay. Go ahead and do it. And the same thing goes if you have a regular client that comes in with an injury or a condition and you haven't worked on that since school, but you feel like, again, if you just went back to your textbooks and reviewed and maybe asked some colleagues for advice that you could treat it safely, that is totally fine. Go ahead. So basically what I'm saying here is don't just refer everything that isn't your very best treatment type out to someone else unless you work in an extremely specialized clinic of some kind. Like say, for example, you are working in a cancer care clinic and that is all you see and somebody comes in and they want to talk about, like they're not there for that. They, they wanted to book with you about, um, I don't know, uh, like an ankle injury, but that's not what you do with that clinic. And that is fine then to refer them out, say like, you know, I thank you so much for thinking of me, but that's not what we do here. Here's the name of a colleague who should be able to help you out. That's a different situation. But if you're working in a more generalist practice, and I don't mean you haven't choose, chosen a niche and a sort of an area that you're focusing on, I simply mean that you're not in a so specialized, like very radar senses on one specific area of your profession. If you're not in that kind of clinic, you know, it's fine to take these clients on, even if it's something that you haven't treated in a while. Um, You know, you can take these things as learning opportunities as long as it's safe for you and the client and refer out when it's necessary and 
don't when it's not. Don't be afraid to learn as you go. So let me give you an example of both sides of this, okay? Because I realize this is a little bit blurry because you're like, wait a second, Candace, you just told me I should be referring people out, like if they're coming for TMJ. So hear me, let me give you an example. If a new client books in and they, she says she's recently had a mastectomy and needs care for that, and you know a colleague who specializes in that, that is what he or she does. They're really, really good at it. You know, they are the perfect match for this person who you've never done this kind of massage before. That's a good time to refer out. You know, that's quite specialized. I would recommend referring out unless you feel really, really comfortable with it or the client happens to have some sort of like... Um, pre-existing relationship with you. But if if that's not the case, then yeah, I would recommend referring that person out because it's the best thing for you and the client, right? But say the client comes in with a frozen shoulder, okay? And you haven't treated frozen shoulder in years, maybe not even since school. And say you've been in a school for five years, no one's ever come to you with frozen shoulder. You remember going over it in clinic, but you've never actually treated it or you haven't since you were in school, Okay. That's a situation where you could realistically go back to your textbooks and ask colleagues for advice and go ahead and treat the client, you know, as long as it's safe. Unless it's some sort of really complex case, in which case you do need to maybe refer out or confer with peers who are used to dealing with those kind of complex cases. But it's okay to treat this client, you know, you don't need to be afraid and go, oh, I haven't touched that in years. You know, the, you, you do sh massage the shoulder, I'm assuming. You do work on the neck and the area around it. So it's not like intraoral treatment where you literally haven't done it in years. So yeah, hopefully that makes it a bit more clear for you guys. If it's super specialized, maybe you should refer out. If it's more just you haven't treated that specific injury in a while, go back, remember what you've done in the past and and go ahead and uh, treat that client and see how it goes. And, and then if it doesn't go well, then okay, refer them out, you know? Let's talk about number five. So number five is don't be afraid to rebook people, okay? So I'm taking a bit of a, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting here on the topic types. So, you know, I'm not going to say a lot about this one because I think honestly, it just, I've, I've said it all. Don't be afraid to rebook people. But there's a lot of therapists out there, and this included me back when I was working, especially in my early years, where you'd be really timid about asking people to rebook. You'd feel like you were imposing or you're asking too much or something. And I know this is a problem for help, helping professions, um, especially those who work in um, an environment where the person is paying out of pocket or, or maybe they're paying out of pocket and getting a bit back from insurance, like whatever the situation might be. So yeah, don't be, don't be timid. People actually want to hear from you, right? So get in the habit of asking clients when they'd like to book again, or if someone's on a specific treatment plan, they need something specific, tell them straight up. Like say, you know, hey, I'd like to book you again next week, and I'd like to see you weekly for three weeks, da, 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 da. You know, how's next Tuesday look for you? Like seriously, people, most people really want that guidance. They will feel okay with that. Um, as long as you're working on a reasonable follow-up schedule, and it's, clear that you're you're doing it for their good and you're not just being like hey let's line my pockets with your money as long as you're not doing that and I bet 99% of you out there are not doing that then it's completely fine to ask people to rebook don't be timid so speaking of that let's talk about number six on my list of 10 and that is money matters I know money is one of those sensitive topics among small business people of all kinds. That includes me, and I'm no longer an active massage therapist, you know. 
We know we need to think about it, but it's one of those topics we like to avoid. I think just because we get nervous or we feel like we don't understand or it's not something we're good at or whatever that might be, you know, but you do need to think about these things. And I know I'm telling you something you already know, but I'm repeating it because it's important. Set up a savings account and put money aside for tax time. Draw up a budget and think about what you might need each month to pay the bills. You know, be serious about this stuff. That way you can set realistic financial goals in order to make sure you are able to pay your bills. Not just, oh, you know, I'll see how much money comes in and I'm sure it'll work out. That's not a good way to run your business. Set aside money for vacations. Now, I realize this is not necessarily going to be possible in the early days of your practice, but be thinking about that stuff, you know, set aside money for vacations or for something else that's really important, maternity or paternity leave if you're planning to have kids, right? Even in Canada, where we have um, a system that will help, um, how how to put this, it will help pay you a small percentage of what you earn, not small, like a moderate percentage of what you earn. Um, while you are off with your baby, Um, but it's not a ton of money. And even so, as a self-employed person, you have to opt into this system in order to use it. So it's it's all stuff to just think about. It's not something that you can just uh, snap your fingers and go, oh, you know, obviously that's what I'll do. Another thing actually I would mention before before I uh, kind of close on this topic is, is another thing I would think about is getting disability or critical insurance, um, sorry, critical illness insurance. So, you know, on that topic with the setting aside money for paternity or maternity, uh, taking vacations, all that kind of stuff, disability insurance, talk to a financial planner, talk to an accountant, get some professional advice on what the best thing to do is because this is all really important stuff and you, you want to get this as right as you possibly can okay now speaking of money number seven on my list of 10 is don't give away free massages some of you might be going "Uh, um why are you mentioning this well here's the thing a lot of well-meaning colleagues when I first started would tell me that doing free massages and events was a good promotion for my practice And I'm going to tell you straight up, I never got a single regular client from any of these events because people like free stuff, okay? Just like we were talking about money matters a second ago, you know, when you have to budget, you have to think about your money. Other people think about these things too. So they like to get free stuff. They like to not have to pay for it. It doesn't mean that they'll pay for it after the free one is done. They may simply walk away, right? So there are many, many, many better ways to promote your practice than don't involve you working for free. And that is basically the main purpose behind this podcast, right? Is talking about marketing and running your business in ways that doesn't involve you, <laughs> doesn't involve you giving yourself away for free, basically. So don't give away free massages. Maybe you can make an exception say give a gift certificate to a charity auction or event if it's a charity that you care about and you do one free treatment you know that they you know gets auctioned off for a good cause that's fine if you feel if that's totally fine if you feel comfortable with that or if you're working at a charity event volunteering so you're thinking of this as volunteering you're not thinking of this as being marketing you're thinking of it as volunteering to a cause that you care about right so that is different But if it's simply that you're working an event because they told you that you could come and work for free and give out your business cards, please don't do it. It is not worth your time, okay? There are many better ways to do these things. 
So number eight on my list of 10, speaking of, is it's okay to think outside the box and break some of the rules. Now, of course, for those of you in regulated health professions, including massage therapists, I am not saying you go ahead and break the rules set out by your college. Like, let's just break all the policies and rules and do what I want. No, I'm not saying that. And I hope that was clear before I even opened my mouth. Now, I'm talking about some of the other stuff, like the so-called rules you learned in school or from well-meaning colleagues, like the free massages thing, right? Because they're like, oh, that's a great way to promote your practice. We've been doing it for years. No, you know, so just because you had something drilled into you in school or by, you know, uh, colleagues who've been at it longer than you doesn't mean you need to keep doing it after you graduate or, you know, at all, period. One thing I've noticed happening, and this is a really, this is so funny common, is that after graduation from massage school, people keep wearing the same sort of thing they're required to wear for their clinical placements. So like for us, example, that was a polo shirt that was like fully buttoned, so you were really covered, and long pants like khakis. Um, If I recall correctly, even if it was really hot out, we weren't allowed to wear shorts. We were required to wear long pants at all times. I could be wrong. But that was my recollection of it. Um, So some therapists have even told me that it's a CMTO requirement to dress like that. And it's not. Go ahead and look on their website for anything about like a dress code because it's not there. Other than for writing your OSCE exams, it simply doesn't exist. So yeah, you just need to dress professionally as a massage therapist or whatever it is you do. And professionally really depends on where you work, who your key clients are, and the image you're trying to convey. So something like scrubs might be appropriate if you work in a you know more like a clinical, medical type environment. Scrubs might be the, the right thing for you to be wearing. Another environment, it might be um, gym clothes, you know, as long as they're, you know, fairly covering. Um gym clothes, like say if you work out of a gym or you work in more of a fitness environment, right? And still another thing that could be like wearing jeans and, and, you know, nice, nicer jeans and a nicer t-shirt, right? That could be totally professional and appropriate in, in the right clinic environment. So don't think that you need to dress the way you dressed in school. That is not a rule. You can break that rule. Um, another example here that I see a lot is that RMTs don't like to do discounts or package treatment plans, like pl- packages of treatments, say like a um, four treatments put together into one thing that someone can come in for an hour and a half for, that kind of thing, you know, because they're taught in school that it's frowned upon or because medical professions don't do that, quote unquote. Okay, if you strongly do feel that way personally, like you've, you've really thought about it and on a personal level, you really do feel that way, that's totally fine. You, you don't need to break that rule. You can say, no, this is a rule I really want to follow. This is important to me. That's fine. But if you feel that maybe like running some sort of promotion or a package where you offer, maybe you're offering people small discount on their first treatment, whatever it might be, if you're feeling that that kind of stuff would be helpful for your business and you feel completely okay with doing it, go ahead and do it. Don't let someone tell you you can't unless the CMTO or whoever your regulatory body is changes their policy again, which I don't think they're going to. You know, unless they're the one telling you that you can't do it, then you should go ahead and do it. Just make sure you document it properly and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm not saying, again, you know, you do need to follow the rules around, you know, how much people paid for treatments and all that kind of stuff. But 
Yeah, go ahead and do it if you feel comfortable with it. And there's tons of examples of this kind of thing. I could do a whole podcast episode about breaking the rules. In fact, I think I did once. <laughs> I could definitely do it again. Do Basically, do what works for your business because it is your practice, not somebody else's. So do what works for you. And this brings me to number nine, which is don't assume everything you hear is true, even from well-meaning colleagues. For example, there are dozens of myths about massage, what massage can and cannot do or, you know, fitness training or whatever. Um, I actually did a whole podcast episode about myths and these myths need to be busted. You can go back and listen to that podcast episode if you like, actually. Um, but stuff like you can't massage a pregnant woman's ankles or DOMS is called by lactic acid buildup and massage can help that or massage will cause cancer to spread or whatever. There's lots of those myths out there. They are still persistent. And all three of those things I just named out are not true at all. And you might also hear colleagues talk about stuff like, so here's here's another angle on the don't assume everything you hear, right? You might hear colleagues talk about stuff like um, how the insurance industry seems to hate RMTs or physios or chiros or whatever. Maybe they're really frustrated right now or how lawyers are awful to deal with. You never want to deal with lawyers. So don't take MVA cases because you're going to have to deal with that crap. You know, take that with a grain of salt, because with like all these things, there's good and bad experiences out there. If you, if you simply look for them, you will hear some really positive stories of people who have built an entire practice around like having great relationships with uh, like doctors and lawyers and other people. And they see a lot of motor vehicle accident cases and have a very good living and feel like they're really helping a lot of people. And then you're going to hear other stories from people and myself included back when I did this, where it was frustrating. You know, you were dealing with insurance adjusters who paid out really late or weren't approving treatment plans and it made absolutely no sense why they weren't and all those kinds of things that are really frustrating. So, you know, there's good and bad experiences out there. Don't assume someone else's experiences are going to be your own. Just you know, take it all with a grain of salt and decide based on how you're feeling about it and not just simply that somebody has told you that this is the way when it isn't necessarily the way, right? So speaking of talking to other people, number 10 and my last one on this list is networking is amazing. Not only do you meet other amazing people in your industry, which are sources for referrals in both directions, but you also end up making friends with colleagues and this isn't a bad thing, you know? That is one of the biggest things I wish I had learned first thing when I graduated because I kind of felt like I had this community behind me. But the thing was the community I had behind me was fellow therapists who were new grads, which is great and all. I'm not saying that's that's a bad thing. And my profs from school. But it would have been so good for me to branch out and get to know local physios, local chiros. I, I knew I knew a few from having worked for them, but you know, I didn't I didn't know a lot of other people in the industry. And it would have been really fantastic, honestly, to get to know more people locally who worked in the same industry. Cause I could have learned a heck of a lot from them and it would have been a source for referrals. It just I think it would have made my practice even more successful. And also when I moved to Toronto, same thing, you know, if I'd done more networking, I did some, but I should have done more. Um, so yeah, networking is a really good thing. It's a really big piece of the puzzle. And uh, I highly recommend you think about, you know, how to make more links within your own local sort of fitness, wellness, healthcare community um, in order to just 
basically feel like you're you're not alone. You know, you've got people to bounce ideas off of. You got people to chat with about tricky cases. It's just it's a good thing. It's a good thing for all of us to have that networking and friendship component of what it is that we do. Because remember, your job takes a heck of a lot of hours of your week. All right, that is it for this topic for this week. So there's my list of 10 things I really wish I had known when I started my own massage therapy practice or any kind of business, really, because most of those most of those apply to all uh, businesses. You know, even the don't give away free massages thing, don't give away free stuff, period, unless it's something very small, right? I don't I don't recommend doing like huge free promotions of anything. It's just not not usually worth it. All right. So, uh, yeah. That's it for this week. If you have questions, comments, concerns, ideas, anything at all you want to chat with me about building a practice um, as a massage therapist or as a related healthcare or wellness or fitness business, you can always shoot me an email or find me on social media. Email is Candice at Nixie, N-Y-X-I-E dot C-A, or you can find me as Nixie on Twitter, or you can uh, hook up with me on Facebook. Just uh, search for Happy Little Biz and you'll find me. All right. I will be back with you guys next week with another episode, and it might even be Halloween related since we're getting close to Halloween then. See you then. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening into this week's podcast episode. I really do appreciate your time. If you're new to the podcast, hey, let me introduce myself. My name is Candace Eisner, and I am a former registered massage therapist in the province of Ontario. I like to say retired registered massage therapist, actually, because it sounds a little bit more fun. Hey, Freedom 35! But let's be real here for a second. I'm not actually retired. I am retired from the profession of massage therapy, but what I'm doing these days is I am helping those who work in health, care or fitness or wellness, build practices and businesses that really align with who they are and what they want out of life. That is really my big mission. That is important to me. So if you head on over to happylittlebiz.com, you can read a little bit more about who I am and what I'm about and read some of my free articles that I have available. You can also keep listening to this weekly podcast. I'd love it if you did that. And actually speaking about that, if you do enjoy the podcast, if you find it helpful, I would be so appreciative if you would share this episode or share another episode with friends or relatives or other people you know who work in health and wellness and fitness so that we can have more people listening to the podcast. And the more people that listen, the more topic ideas or requests I get, the better the podcast is. It works out well for all of us. So you can just share this on social media. You can share it by email, wherever you like you want to go. Um, if you need a link, head on over to happylittlebiz.com. You can get a link to my podcast episodes there, or you can just link people to Happy Little Biz. That would be great too. So thanks again. I really do appreciate it. This is it for this week's podcast, and I will see you back here next week.